difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. You can stay over there. And welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call, but the alcohol only on it is Blue Wire Hustle Network. And well, when you talk of hustling, you, to, you talk about musicians because they are hustling 24-7, especially those who are part of the unsigned group and doing it on their own. And this man here, well, la- last couple of years, he's been hustling like crazy, whether it's uh, his song, Mr. Red, White, and Blue, on TikTok videos, appearing on the Nashville Star, about now one of the top shows on Netflix, Country Ever After. I give you, it is businessman, singer, songwriter, T. Uh, record producer, uh, actor, and well, <laughs> uh, family man himself. I'll give you Coffee Anderson. Uh, Coffee, did you ever think a show was going to be this popular? I mean, when you hear of everything coming out in the reviews, and I, yeah. I guess I've even heard we want to bring it back for a second season. You know, it's going to be this popular. We, we didn't think it was going to be this big. We knew it was special. And I think I just heard the number that it was over 50 million people that have watched it worldwide. That is unbelievable. And did we think it was going to be this big? No. Are we excited and happy and thankful and grateful that the genius of Alex Baskin created this with Roma Downey? Yeah, we're pretty grateful. And I think, I think Chris, to be honest with you, came at the perfect time. I think it was the perfect storm with uh, COVID. I think it was a perfect that people were home to watch it. I think there's not a family friendly television show that people can watch from the age zero to age 100 and zero that doesn't have politics or uh, blue content in it. And so I think it was a perfect storm for us to be introduced. How much in the beginning did you have to fight just to get this? Because usually when it's family friendly, it's a little like you're either with somebody who's acting like a, like wacky and crazy, like, uh, like, you know, growing up Bradshaw or, these reality shows are very, you know, cutthroat. You know, there's a lot of sex involved. There's cursing, right. or it's crazy. Right. I'm, how how hard did you have to fight to go? No, I'm. I, I, this is the show I'm doing. No, I'm not going to be an idiot. No, I'm not going to sell out. <laughs> this is my baby. I'm not going to sell my baby down the road. Right. Right. I, I think, and that's a great question to ask. It started off for us that we we made that the precedent from the very beginning. I think that's that because how they met you is how they know you. Even in business, how they met you is how they know you. And I think when they met us with those values and, and that perspective, they knew that that was, that was what they were getting in bed with per se, business-wise for the television show. And because of that, I think, again, it was the perfect storm for us to say, this is who we are. This is what we're going through. This is what we're gonna be able to share with you guys. And they agreed with that and they wanted it. They wanted a show that the whole family could watch and enjoy because we've seen the uh, the fights, the fussing, the, the people that are, I'm so rich, I don't understand anybody else's problems, which makes it unrelatable. Now, after a while, people get tired of just watching the dumpster fires or the characters that are so over the top that it's, that you just go, wow, I pity that person. They wanted something more relatable and then the Andersons pop up, you know? There's one episode that stood out that I think that sums up you perfectly. That is the music video. Because as you said, you want to give everybody a chance. 
and you've been down that road where I'm guessing thousands, millions of notes. No, you know, we don't sign you for the record label. No, we don't want you to, you know, to sing this song. No, we don't want you right. to perform. What was so for you? Why was that for you at the big point of all right? I'm hiring every you know dancer. We're gonna do this. I don't care. I'll find the money here. I'll, I'll sell some equipment if I have to, maybe even uh, right. pose nude. Why do I have to do why do you want to get all these people in there? Uh, well, I, I'm not gonna pose nude. I think people would have gave me money to put my clothes on that, and that may be a good business strategy. Yet, when we had all the dancers and Chrisilla was auditioning them with, with Dana. I feel like everybody needs a shot. That's what makes the American dream so uh, magnetic is that, that everybody needs a shot. And man, Chris, when I walked in, everybody was dancing hard, sweating, learning the choreo. I mean, it was just, and, and they're all doing stuff that I could never do with my body, you know? And I'm going, man, they, they're all gifted. And they moved to LA for this reason. I can't, t I can't pick 10 people and send 20 of them home because the other 20 are just as phenomenal. And they all had their own unique look. You know what? I'll find the money. We're hiring everybody. If they want to put their best foot forward to make my video awesome, I'll put my best foot forward and maybe help them with rent. How big is this show for your kids in terms of you and it showed you and your wife going through everything. And I know that you, You've hidden a lot of stuff, you know, and especially this year with COVID. You've been hiding stuff from them in terms of this is how bad it really got. This is what's really happening here. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. How, how tough was it for you putting on the brave face, you know, during all these tapings when it's like, I, you know, it, it, outside you're as cool as a cucumber. Inside it's like a duck underneath water. He's just, you know, the legs are flapping all over the place and you're going a million Absolutely. miles a minute. How tough was it having, you know, that, you know restraint when you're shooting? Um, to be honest, that's 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 really who I am. I'm in the midst of chaos. I'm 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 kind of a cool guy. I I don't freak out. I, I'll actually get quieter the crazier it gets to try to focus and get some leadership and get some direction and things. Um, the moments that I that I do break down, I would never break down in front of Priscilla or the kids. I think I as the dad, as the husband, as the caregiver, best friend provider, I think I have to be the steady focus. I think I have to be the front of the ship whenever everything is going crazy. So um, the the producers of the show really wanted us to know that Country Ever After was going to be something uplifting. And we agreed with that. And what was it hard? Absolutely. But I think that people are going to be able to relate to it because it, what 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 Country Ever After does so well, it makes the little things huge and it makes the big things very small. And that's what we've done in our relationship is we cherish little things. We cherish uh, bedtime stories with our babies. And the big things, we take them on, but we're not gonna make that our focus. And I think that that really was what 2020 was about, is that we had this big thing, but you know what, staying home, now, now I got to really talk to my spouse. Now, are we talking because I want to win the argument or because I'm interested in who she is? Now I really get to know my kids. So I, I think that we've been able to do that is make the little things big and the big things little. Let's talk about your decisions 
you know, even pre, uh, you know, country after ever, you decide to go on your own. And yep, to go independent. Talk to people. Some people say it's the best thing ever. You don't have all these corporate people, you know, overruling you. You don't have anybody telling you what to do or steal your stuff. The bad news is you don't have those people backing you up. So during COVID, (laughs) it's tough because, as you know, as I've seen on the show, you rely on you know the conventions, you rely on all this stuff. It it's not happening. How tough has it been for you this last year, even you know previous years in terms of all right, I got to get out there, I got to make my name, and yet it's just you yourself and your wife, and as right. you know, it, you don't have that money just coming in going okay, we're going to spend fifty thousand dollars for an ad or a million dollars here for just promotions. It's, you got to figure right. out ways to do this on your own. You're right. So with our business model, um, the thing that I've been good at is scaling. So a lot of times, most artists only make money touring because they've given their records and the, and the ownership of that record to the record label. So I retain all the rights to the label. I mean, because I own the label. So all the music is mine. Downloads are mine. I even sell sheet music of the popular songs that people can purchase. I sell video dedications, which is kind of the business model of what Cameo has, where I can send a sing a song or sing happy birthday. We sell those. So even though the live show component was gone, we added merch with the Patriot hats, Patriot shirts of people that just believed in we the people, not really affiliated with uh, a candidate per se, but more of the ideal of we the people. And so the Patriot gear went crazy. And then Mr. Red, White, and Blue goes viral on TikTok. And so being able to own that, iTunes, iTunes Canada, iTunes South America, iTunes Australia, Spotify, Spotify UK, Spotify Canada, all these streams of income come directly to our house. So when most artists have to go out and perform because of the business model of ownership and worldwide distribution, we were able to really uh, expand and grow and exponentially 10x our numbers from what we did the year before. As an artist, just as a, as a pure artist, how much do you miss not going to conventions, not doing all this? Because as an artist, you oh, must man, love because you get to you know, to play around with people, meet new people, experiment Absolutely. with new music. How much Absolutely. has this been for you? Like just oh, of course you miss it because I, I'm. <clears throat> I'm a guy that likes to cut down high grass and see if see if there's a pot of gold underneath it. So I like hustling. I like finding new ways to bring new income in. So, and I love relationships. I love seeing people, love talking with them. So the conventions I missed, uh, live shows I missed, of course. You gotta realize a lot of these circuits, I've played two or three, four years in a row. So when I go back, when the guy was dating the girl, now they're married. The fourth time I go back now, you know, she has a baby bump. The fifth time I go back, there's a baby. And I remember when they were dating. So I pride myself on being a legacy artist where people can grow with me, raise their family with me. I have songs from when you were dating to songs when you get married to songs of when you, you know, find your relationship with God to when you don't have, when, when everything falls apart, you need to go have a taco and a margarita. <laughs> So I think that it, that's been the cool part is that the music is there, but missing everybody in the last uh, 18, you know, 14 months. Yeah, I do miss them. Can't wait. If you're just tuning in, Lisa, once again, we got Coffee Anderson here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, uh, 
country ever after. We're talking yes, family. We're talking uh, music. We're talking be a, a businessman here. How do you find inspiration? And how how tough is it actually writing a song, putting it together? Because everybody thinks it's easy. Oh, it, I did. It just came to me. I was doing this. I was doing that. I was smoking, you know, some marijuana. I just saw this. <laughs> I talked to people, other musicians. Like, no, no, no. This takes this is like a baby. You got to literally birth it, birth it, develop it. You know, nurture it. And it takes a long time. So, for just one song for you, how much time do you spend just tweaking it, working on it? You know, love it. So, because I don't have the the overhead of having to make one song that's going to make my career, because I believe in it. I believe in catalogs. I'm the encyclopedia guy. Whatever song you're looking for, you can come over to my catalog, open it up, and find that song in whatever mood you're in. So that also comes from I never stop creating. So like this morning, it was six this morning, and Chrisilla and I were driving from San Diego to City of Hope. And I hand her my phone, and I say, can you open up voice recorder? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah. So she opened voice memo in my iPhone. And I started singing a chorus of a new song I had in mind. And then we hit stop and she put the phone down on the cup holder and I kept driving. So what happens is it doesn't take me long to write a song because I trust the gift. So if I trust my gift and I go, this is what that song is supposed to be. Cool. Do, do all of them get recorded and produced and put out? Not all of them, but a lot of them do. So I think you can't obsess over one lyric because I have another 45 years of lyrics to write. And if I focus on one, it takes the shine off of it in my mind. So I would rather sing the verse. Cool, sound good, great. Go to the chorus, next one. And I, don't, I can't stew over songs. I will never do that. Cause then I'm not trusting my gift. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Cause I always say this, it's not bad to hear it. I just want, first thing that comes to your mind, like, as I've asked this, Previous music guests, I've gotten some wild answers. So, music is like is like food. It's you know there, there's all these flavors, all these styles, and now in the last I'd say 20 years, ever since Run DMC and Aerosmith got together, you can now mix and match, and people go, oh, oh yeah, free absolutely. Tape. Who do you want if you can work with anybody? And I don't care if it's pop, heavy metal, opera. Give me one person you just sitting there going, you know, I'd love to work with them. They're just a genius. They know they get music. We could do something beautiful. I have no idea what it is, but this is beautiful. If I could work with anybody, his name is Joey Moy. A lot of people don't know Joey Moy, but Joey Moy created the sound for Nickelback. And when he left Nickelback, he moved to Nashville and created the sound for Florida Georgia Line. After Florida Georgia Line, he moved on to Morgan Wallen. And then when he was in Canada, he created the sound for Dallas Smith. And I think everything he touches is unbelievable. It's so dialed in, it's so done right. So producer-wise, Joey Moy would be the guy. Um, Artist-wise, uh, Alive would be uh, Dwight Yoakam. Passed Away would be Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix, I get. Uh, Dwight Yoakam, why is that? What is it about him that you look and go, we can make money. We can we can make we can have fun. We can just create stuff. And I just you and me is you know it's like coffee and cream. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> I like I like Dwight because um, I think his I think his voice is a thumbprint 
I think when you hear him, you know it. When you hear Axl Rose, you know it. When you hear Tracy Chapman, you know it. When you hear Kyle Facing, you know it. So I think being able to sit with someone that's not uh, a replication of someone else would be cool for me. I think Dwight is that in my mind. Wait, when, uh, I'm going to try to put this in a, in a way. What is your music? Because everybody says, oh, you know, I'm a, you know, this is not my kind of music. This is my, you know, I'm a, I'm a musician here. And, and I say that because there's almost several different views of country. There's country rock, country, uh, right. gospel country, I sing country music with a soul voice. I mean, my, my, my granddad sang in the Chitlin circuit when black artists couldn't perform in white venues. So he grew up singing gospel with Sam Cooke and the Soul Stirrers and the Mighty Clouds of Joy. And so I grew up hearing soul music and in the house and in, in the church services where we went to. But when growing up in Central Texas, you hear Pat Green, you hear Cross Canadian Ragweed, you hear Travis Tritt, you hear Dwight, you hear George Strait. So everybody in the city was like, Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks. I was like, no, no, never been a Garth guy. <laughs> I've been a Dwight and George guy when we go classic. And then new guys, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jason Aldean, FGL. Uh, I, love, I love those sounds. And uh, I just think that country music with a soul voice is the best way to describe it. I was, I was curious about that because I'm, in your earlier part you touched about like oh yeah Garth Brooks he's you know he's not mine and you're not it's, you're not saying he's bad it's just he's not you know your country here how, how tough is that when you as you said you have all these different country artists here and they're all different I mean you talk with some people it's you know right now but the hot new flavor is you know the old flavor it's Travis Tritt it's Bonnie Raitt you talk with you know or if people people I say our generation, younger, anything country, think, oh, well, you know what? Hey, it's, you know, probably Garth Brooks. You talk even younger generation. They're going on the voice and going, oh, no, no, but if country music is... It's so wide. Uh, it's so yeah. broad. And, I mean, you can even look at Country Ever After and see uh, what we did with the song She's Famous, which is, which is a very pop country song. But what we wrote about it, you know, what I wrote about, She's Famous in a Small Town, that's a country theme. And so we, we added some guitars to it, some synths, because I'm introducing a lot of pop people to country music with that song. So I'm pulling them from the genre, and then, they, then we can go very, very, very far right with the traditional country of stuff I've done with Tacos and Margaritas and um, Memorial Day that I sang with Neil McCoy. So because of that, country is so wide from country rap with Colt Ford to the new traditional with uh, John Party to the, uh, you know, pop pop country of Ray Lynn and, and FGL and Morgan and uh, even the old throwback guys that sing country R&B, but they do it with a twang is Thomas Rhett. You know, so he's trying to be the, the, the country Timberlake, but country music is so wide. And even when it comes to the black country artists, people think, oh, Darius and Charlie Pride. Well, there's also Rashad, there's Jimmy Allen, there's a Trini Triggs, there's myself, there's Kurt Chambers, you know, there's Reese Palmer. There's a lot. There's there's Mickey Guyton. So it's so broad. That's what makes country so amazing. And when people try to put it in a box is when they look bitter and, and frustrated. 
I know you don't get jealous because that's not in your blood. Do you ever get just envious, Phil, of some of these people? Like, you know, a Blake Shelton who he can roll out of bed, scratch his butt, and he knows I'm making money off, you know, oodles and oodles of money by just, you know, waking up because he has royalties. Or <laughs> you said, you know, Garth Brooks who – or Dwight Yoakams who they've made movies. They've done film. They, they can cross over here. I mean, is there a, for you a frustration where it's like, I'd love to have that next break, you know, where – I'm doing you know, a movie here or I'm doing or I'm doing soundtracks for a movie or I get that TV deal where it's like all of a sudden I go from being known across the country to known worldwide. Do you ever get frustrated maybe not having that break yet? No, because I, I believe that everybody has to run their own race. And I'll be the first one to tell you the 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 demon of comparison will steal your blessings. And if you start comparing yourself to what other people are doing, it takes away the shine of what's happening for you. So I always tell people, especially new artists, don't compare your numbers to mine. Don't do it. Put your head down and work. Or I can't compare my numbers to someone else. The second other thing is, is I have to run my own race because I don't know what that artist gave up to get to where they are. And a lot of artists that you think are getting the royalties aren't. They've signed it away because of publishing. They've uh, signed really, really bad record deals, so they have to be on the road. Um, the thing about Blake, I love Blake's story because Blake was signed and got dropped. He got dropped by his label, and Reba McIntyre loved his voice and picked him up. Reba's son managed Kelly Clarkson. Reba's son manages Blake Shelton. You see both of them on The Voice. So he got signed, which a lot of people think is the, is the, big, is the big payoff. It's not. It's the second single. A lot of people get signed, and you get one single, you get a chance, and you can be a one-hit wonder. The second single is where you become a star. So I've always felt like my break will come, and... I tell people all the time, I, my buddy told me, he said, man, you got a crystal ball. Because I believe that the monopoly of the music business was destroyed uh, seven years ago when the smartphone came out. The smartphone came out in 07, but it really was perfected about 2013. And that was when AT&T decided to put the iPhone into its system. AT&T, no matter what Verizon says, covers more rural areas than any phone service in the United States. So I knew that when distribution came to the iPhone for independent artists like me, and the iPhone came to AT&T, I knew I was gonna make a mint. So I had to get there first and stake my claim digitally, and then just go out and start making the shows, and that's where the conventions and the fairs came in. When I started selling my own live show at fair conventions. Last question before we let you go, because you know you were pressed for time and you're a busy man. So you're a man of faith. As, you know, a lot of people I ask that, and we've had I've had fighters on the show who have been men of faith, uh, boxers. They always say that that's what gets us through the hard times. And you, as we said, as we saw on the show, you know, country once again, country ever after. Yeah, you're getting you're getting that call, but, but no husband, no you know, no lover, no friend wants to get. Hey, your your partner's gonna die. Yeah. Sorry, it's not it's not curable. It's just treatable. And 
I've seen that break people literally when they go, I can't deal with this here. I, can't, you know, I might lose my wife. I might lose my partner here. It's all coming down here. Is COVID coming around? What the hell is going on? How big was your faith for you in, in terms of just going, okay, one foot forward, we've got to keep on going. We've got to keep on walking. One foot forward, we're Sorry. going to get through this. When this could break most people. I mean, there's probably times where you're looking going, God, I, I can't deal with this here. You got to throw me a bone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people have this illusion that when you when you have faith in God, that nothing bad is going to happen, and that's not the truth. Bad things do happen to good people. And I learned that really young, at a, at a young age, which still I have trauma dealing with now. And even in the midst of that, can we do all that we can and I, I told a buddy of mine, I was like, I'm going to work like it depends on me and pray like it depends on him. And when it came to uh, with what we're dealing with, with my wife's health right now, we're going to, how do you eat an elephant? And I said this on Country Ever After on our show on Netflix, how do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. And I tell anybody listening to this, whether you, you, know, whether you believe in God or not, he believes in you and it's not going to be perfect. And your worst days are when he's at his best. And it doesn't fit for everybody at every moment. It didn't fit for me for every moment. But I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that without that component, I would have went crazy by now. And I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for me. Every, again, everybody has to run their own journey. Even with business, I can't look at someone else's career. I can't look at someone else's walk with what they have to deal with the Lord. All I can say is this is what's happened to me. And when I needed it, he was there. My faith was there. And get you a Bible that you can understand how to read. Everybody doesn't understand the King James version. <laughs> so get get the new Santa Monica version, get the hip hop version, you know, get the Rick James version. If you like rock music, I don't know. Find something that can fit for you. And even in the moments that you don't believe in God, he still believes in you. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, as I said, it's the sh one of the breakout shows of 2020. Well, it's still going strong. Thank you. Still on Netflix. And on Netflix here, I give you, it is once again, the Starbat show. Uh, country you. gospel singer, businessman, father, and all-around uh, good fella here. I give you, it's Coffee Anderson. Now, Coffee, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out? Where is the the website, the TikTok, the YouTube channels? Come on. Uh, Come where on. can fans go and uh, check out your music or just even want to just you know, hit you up and say hello. Yeah, coffee is spelled like the drink only spelled, is, it's like, is drink only spelled different. So coffee, C-O-F-F-E-Y uh, Anderson. So you can find me on iTunes, Spotify. You can find me on TikTok. I'm, I'm an Instagrammer big time. So at coffee Anderson. And my YouTube channel is uh, coffee Southern Man, C-O-F-F-E-Y Southern Man. Uh, we're almost at 200,000 subscribers. We're uh, it's 7,000 away from 200,000. So, yeah, please uh, join all of those. Uh, be in contact with me. CoffeeAnderson.com, C-O-F-F-E-Y, Anderson.com. And we, we, we're still doing shows. We're booking like crazy right now. And uh, there's only 52 weekends in a year. So if you want to book me at your, your event, we're working with Chamber of Commerce. We're working with city, working with states, uh, different organizations to come in and bring our live show and also, I'm also doing a lot of first dance appearances 
and surprises for brides, which has been great. So Chris, thank you for having me. Tell everyone to please tune in to Country Ever After on Netflix and keep our family in prayer. And we are excited with what's coming in the future. And let's just stay in touch, man. Let's do this every six months and get an update. Hey, I, you know what? I'd make it four months if I could, but your publicist is probably going to know his biggest things. But once again, ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to have on the show here, Coffee Anderson. We're looking forward to him. Uh, we come back, though. We go from Coffee Anderson to the UFC. It's Jair Zeno, Biggie Boy, Rusenstruck. We're going to talk about him and his big fight coming up. All this and more only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on it is Blue Wire Hustle Network. Alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now join me on the line. It's been here. Well, he is one of the most dangerous strikers in the world. He is now 11 and 1 with 10 knockouts. So, well, he'll be taking on Cyril Gagne at UFC Fight Night 187, March 13th. We're looking forward to that. Plus, we're going to talk about his big knockout victory against Junior Dos Santos. Uh, once again, I give you, well, 2019 comeback of the year and a newcomer of the year. Well, I'll give you Jair Zeno Rusenstruika, a.k.a. Big Boy. So, Jair Zeno, let's start off here with you, Cyril Gagne. You're taking on a guy who can strike but also likes to use a lot of his grappling. He's shown some uh, some pretty slick moves on the, on the ground. How do you prepare for a guy like this, for a big guy who can actually grapple for a change? I mean, um, always believe in yourself, believe in what I can do and make sure I'll be fit on that day, uh, March 13. Um, yeah, and then it's going to happen. I mean, uh, I'm happy that I can fight again. Um, it's a long time. And uh, Cyril Gagné, uh, a good upcoming guy, doing his thing, winning, winning his fight. So uh, it's going to be a really interesting fight, and I'm looking forward to that. For this fight, who do you spar with? I mean, do you tend now to start working with more grapplers? Do you, do you start working more with jiu-jitsu guys? I mean, do you try to get somebody who can sort of give you a fear for what Ghani might try to do against you? Um, I work with different guys, uh, of course, heavyweights. And uh, I've been training for a while now. Uh, I've been busy. 
working on my ground game, working on my style, working on a lot of things, things that you can do. And now you want to do it better. So um, we will make sure me and my team are will prepare and watch the team we're going to stand in front of this guy and we're try to win this fight, of course. Now, speaking of team, uh, part of your team is actually a guy that both you two beat. That's uh, Junior Dos Santos. Does that help? I mean, does it help having a guy who's been in there with Gagne who can sort of give you an idea of, okay, well, this is what he did against me. This is what he might try to do against you. Or is there any bad blood? Because, unfortunately, you did knock out Junior Dos, Dos Santos. I mean, there's never bad blood uh, between me and any fighters. If a fighter disrespect me, then we set him straight in the octagon. And uh, after that, uh, we cool. I mean, we are in the same race for the baddest man on the planet. And yeah, we train and try to entertain the world and to make our life better. And this is what we love. So this is what we do. So there's no bad blood. I mean, uh, whoever can helps, if it helps, of course, we might need it, and especially we are fighters from different places, different countries, so everybody have a different style. So anyone and everybody I train with, they're different, so I learn from everything and everybody that's around me. Take me to I will take me to the fight with Junior Dos Santos, because I, I, it must have been weird when you get to fight, and the two of you are, are teammates. You, you both are, you know, afterwards you get to work with each other. I mean, how... How weird was it after that fight where it's like, okay, um, I mean, do you apologize? Is it sort of like, all right, well, it's business. We keep moving forward. I mean, is there any, any bad blood? I mean, how does it work when you knock out a guy and then you realize, oh, yeah, I got to see him the next day in, in uh, training class. Hmm, this is awkward. Mm, nah, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty easy. Before the fight, I never trained with him. I always saw him in the gym uh, saying hi to each other like normal. And uh after the fight we train a couple of times together and there's no bad blood i mean uh we are training to fight and there will always be a winner and a loser and yeah i mean uh in this in this part of the game i was the winner and the only thing i can say uh thank you for taking the fight and you know uh but no bad blood never been and yeah how much does that win change in terms of He's a former champion. I mean, this is somebody that you can, you know, you can name drop. You go, oh, I know that guy. He was, he was a former UFC champion. I mean, I know, I know the Alistair Overeem fight win was big. Was this even bigger because you got to go home and tell people, hey, I'd be a former UFC champion. And they went, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, it was big. He's a legend. He showed a lot of things for the sport. He's been running. He's been around for a long time. And he knows the game, I think, better than I did. And the only thing I know, I can learn a lot from him. So after the fight, the only thing I, I, I did is like, you know, team up with him and try to learn from everybody that's around me, even from him. I want to touch more on you because there was something I know I'd, I'd seen this past fall. You actually got to go home for a change. We talked, you know, when we had you on the show, you talked about your love of Suriname. You actually got to go home. You got to see a lot of, Village kids, you get to see a lot of villages in Suriname, and you got a, you know, a huge reaction, you know, reaction from all people. What is that like going home and all of a sudden you're no longer a kid who left? It's now you're this conquering hero, but everybody just looks and goes, "This is our role model. This is, this is he. He's one of us." And hey, he's rocking the shorts and the Crocs, baby. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels great 
it feels awesome. And at the same time, um, it can be a, a pressure. But I, I try to enjoy all the time that I get um, in the octagon, even when I go home, even if, I, if I'm, when I'm in the States, uh, learning new things, seeing new things, because it's a whole other world and a whole different world like mine, um, where I used to, where I, where I grew up. And right now I'm in the part of my life that I learn a lot and see a lot, a lot of new things. And yeah, I try to enjoy all of it. And I try to, the, mo the most important thing uh, that I have on myself, I want to stay myself, stay close to myself and uh, know where I'm coming from. What was the best part about going home? I mean, cause I'm, I'm looking at the little video clips, part of the documentary footage and, Every time you're going to these, you know, villages, they're just tickled paint to see. I mean, what was the best part about that trip? The best part is uh, where children, little children, run up to me and show me the love because the love of kids don't lie. There's the only pure and real love you can get ever in the world, in any place. So that's the most exciting thing I always embrace. And, yeah, I, I keep myself close to that, too, because I know how it feels. When I was a little boy, I see a hero or a celebrity from our country. And I was like, hey, yeah, you know, run up to him, give him a hug and say how great he is. And now I have the same, I get the same love and have the same feeling. So I know how it feels. It's, and I've been trying to do, as I said, some research here. And there's not many Suriname athletes. I mean, you you have some, you know, you, there's Melvin Manhoof, uh, but you know he's most he's mostly from Netherlands. I mean, he grew up when he was three years old. He went to Netherlands. He grew up in Netherlands. Most people say, well, he's he's a Dutch fighter. You have Tyrone Spong, another guy here. But you know, as I said, it's the same thing with Spong. He's a guy who moved to the Netherlands when he was a kid. He mostly, you know, they identify with that. You grew up mostly in Suriname. I mean, what is that like when you see these kids and they they're talking to you and they just look at you going? You're you're our inspiration. You know, we want to be like you. We we you are. You know, we they look at you basically as you know kids. You look at LeBron James or Tom Brady or even you know Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, you are basically their hero and their role model. It feels good and and it it, it motivates me to keep on going, put on more work, um, uh, let those children see that is always hope in life and you can always move forward and keep believing in what you're doing because that's the most important part in my game that I do. I believe in what I do and I go forward with it, you know? So it, it, the, basically it more motivates me that I'm in this spot right now and I'm happy. I feel honored to be a hero for them. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we get it's, uh Yair Zeno, big boy Ruz and Struik here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, uh, going to Suriname. We're talking with Dos Santos fight. We're talking Ciro Gagne. You've also, you've all, again, we've got to talk about this because I know that you, you're a very humble fellow, but you're now sort of a, a quasi-TV star here. You're doing your own commercials with uh, Sir Good. I mean, what is that like when you are actually you come in, you got to read scripts, and you do makeup, and you're like, oh, this is real weird. Why is this person putting some stuff on me here? Why do I have somebody who's asking me what, what to eat now? I mean, usually I get my own food. This person's going to get me food. <laughs> nah, I mean, it feels awesome. I always uh, look, at to the, look into those things. Um, when, I was a little, when I was a little boy and I see those commercials, and I had those same ideas. And now I'm in the spot. I do the same thing. So 
for me, it feels great. And on the other side, uh, life has to keep going, keep on going, mm, doing new things. Uh, I'm gonna give you more experience in life. So there's there were one of the, there was one of the newest thing I ever did, I ever did, like do a big commercial like that. You know, it feels great. And yeah, I'm looking forward to do more new things in life and move forward, especially with my career. Now, coming soon is, of course, the EA Sports UFC 3 game, and you're in it, of course. Uh, didn't have, did you get to do any of that stuff? And have you called them and say, hey, you know, make sure my knockout power is like 99%, none of that 95% <laughs> bull crap, 99%, damn it. Uh, nah, I didn't. But uh, as soon as I heard my, I'm, I'm in the game, it feels great already. I mean, I'm one of the first Syrian athletes in the game. And yeah, I'm honored. As I said, it, it's great. It feels cool. And kids run up on me. I play the game with you today. I'm like, yeah, you do? Say, so, yeah, you power rate are strong. I mean, you know, it feels great. Can't say too much about it, uh, but it make me hype, of course. It make me happy. And as I said, it gives me more motivation to keep on going so more good things can come our way. As I said here, all this is go, you know is going on with you. We talk about how you're doing all this. You're you know you're going through you know you're going to see people. You're in you know this and that here. You know you're doing commercials. Do you ever get time to just enjoy all this? Because as we said, you your journey is one where it's been like you've had to go through a lot. You know, as we mentioned before, you left home. You had to go to Europe. You got kidnapped. I mean, this is something like a Disney movie couldn't even write here. Do you ever have time to just sit there and go, okay, I didn't see any of this coming. This is, this is pretty freaking cool. I, I'm going to just, you know, enjoy this moment as it is. I have those moments a lot. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes I'm going to take a great vacation, go on this side, go on that side of the world. But I don't think I'm in, I'm, I'm in that spot yet for myself. I want to put everything in my career right now. Uh, what's what's coming, coming, and I put all effort in it and make sure I get the best of it because the fight years don't last forever. So I want to focus on this. And soon as I'm retired, I'm gonna enjoy every moment of my life that I can. Yeah. It's it's one of the things that I've always given credit to the fighters this past year was you. You guys came in. I mean, the NBA didn't come, you know, do this early. They waited. And now, you know, the, the NFL had time. I mean, hockey shut down. Baseball shut down. The fighters went through, you know, you guys went through this year. And how tough was that, especially as a father, when you're dealing with COVID, you got to leave. Your daughters are, very, are miserable because they can't leave. They're stuck usually either doing in-home or doing Zoom classes. They, they're restricted because of all this. You're trying to deal with that. You're going to take the old fight. You're to deal with, this, you know, with social distancing, all this crap. How much of this year was also a bit of okay? Yep, we have. We, I got issues. I got you know obstacles. Just keep on moving forward. I you know this is life, and I got to just deal with it. Suck it up. Um, I don't. I don't see it as that. It was more for me like, um, how can we handle this? How can we move forward with this? And I'm not gonna lie, it was hard, but on the end, we still uh, move forward. And yeah, I'm proud of everybody in the world that keep keep pushing forward and make sure we can go forward in everything we do, especially the UFC, because that's my 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 boss, Dana White. So I said, like I said, say that. 
So if they say we're going to shut things down, then a lot of things will be shut down by now. But no, they put on effort, all effort in, in making those events, make us fight. And then you have another part, you have to train. Uh, gyms are closed. It was a hard year, but still we, we, we move forward. We, we pass those, those most difficult times. And now we can look forward to a better future with COVID and that we already can find a vaccine, you know? So, I mean, it was hard and yeah, but we have to push forward. I think it makes us stronger. What doesn't kill us make us stronger, right? How tough was it as a father having to deal with this? As you, because as you said, you it was hard. Yeah, and your daughters are going. We just want to go out. We want to play with the friends. And you're like, no, you, you got to wear masks or you got to do this. And it's like, well, we just want to go out. And they, how tough was I having to explain to them? All right, we got to just go with the punches. Nah, I mean, as a father, that's the hardest part because you, you can't keep kids inside forever, and you gotta have, you gotta be patient and yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't easy, but we still get through it. And on the end, the child, the kids all understand what's happening too. So they put an effort in it too. And yeah, we still pass those difficult times. Yeah. It all comes down once again, as you mentioned, it's March 13th. It's you versus Cyril Gagne. Uh, it's not official, but I'm guessing that the winner of this fight becomes possibly the number one contender to the heavyweight title or very close, because you'll have Francisco Nagano versus Stipe Miosic later on in March. I know that you've either wanted a shot of a title, or if it's Nagano, you've wanted a shot of redemption. How I big mean, is it for you to, to not just win against Gagne, but to make a statement and go, okay, you know what? He needs to fight one of these guys. He is the baddest man right now that is not holding gold in the heavyweight division. Now, right now... Um... Winning this fight uh, it means everything. Because, uh, yeah, I want to crack at the title. I want that rematch against Francis. But we're going to see what's going to happen later on in March uh, against him and Stipe. And, yeah, I mean, it's a big fight. It's always a big fight. I see every fight as a championship because uh, we're in the bigger, biggest league uh, on, on earth. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to go in there and make sure I get my hand raised and walk up to another step, another chapter of my life. Yeah. Well, very happily, John, once again, I give you, he is going to be fighting once again all the way on March 13th against Cyril Gagne. I give you the big boy himself. I give you his Yairzino Rusenstruik. I'm yeah, yeah, Arizona, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out? Where is the Twitter page, no. Instagram, the website? Uh, and, and no, where can on you, Twitter. I've even, I've even heard now you have a YouTube channel. Yeah, on the on YouTube, you can find me on a Jorginho Biggie Boy Rosa Strike. And on Twitter, you just find me on a Jair Rosa Strike. And you can find me even on Instagram on Jorginho Rosa Strike. And you can find me on Facebook on Jorginho Biggie Boy Rosa Strike. Any on this account, if you, you type Jorginho Biggie Boy Rosa Strike, you can find me and give me a shout out. I give you a shout out. And uh, I'm right now, I'm ready to shock the world again. And you guys can check me out. Jorginho Rosen Strike, ladies and gentlemen, aka it's Biggie Boy. We are looking forward to seeing him back in action. We're proud to have him on the show. We come back, though. We got a whole lot more only on it is Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on it is. 
the Blue Wire Hustle Network. back everyone to its last call last call but the alcohol only on it is blue wire hustle network now once again I want to thank my two wonderful guests we had first yarzina rusen strike on the show I want to thank him for joining looking forward to seeing him fight once again it'll be ufc fight night february 27th against cyril gagne in a heavyweight scrap and well somebody's gonna get knocked out that's all i can tell you i have no idea who yet i'm i'm picking the biggie boy but well Gagne's a pretty tough cat, but as I said, we're going to see what happens here. And of course, you know, as we said, one of our big coups here, country western singer, soul artist, uh, businessman, father, and TV personality. Now, we had Coffee Anderson. Well, always a pleasure to have a man of uh, faith on the show, and we're looking forward to helping, but, you know, much better things are happening for him here in 2021. We're going to shift our attention, though. It's a uh, Weekend's coming up. It's Valentine's Day for all the guys out there and girls. So hopefully on Sunday you take care of your loved ones a little more extra. You take care of your mother, your sisters. But on Saturday, it's going to be the big UFC 258. It's Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. It's for the welterweight championship. And look, you look at Gilbert Burns and it's a man who, yeah, all of a sudden with Burns, it clicked. And when I say clicked, I mean, he was always a good fighter. We knew that. But he, when he first started off, you didn't see him as this, I would say, great fighter. I mean, you know, he was a good lightweight, but not great. Most people thought, oh, well, you know, he's, he'll be somebody who hangs around. Then he goes to welterweight, and he just kills it. And you're looking around going, it just turned. I mean, literally, it just turned for him. And sometimes it's just, you know, you find your body. Sometimes it's going up in, in weight. For him, He it was well to weight. You know, he he was killing himself at times at lightweight. And that's what we saw with the Dan Hooker fight, the Michael Brzezeris fight. Goes up to middleweight, and he's just rolling people. You know, as I said, Gunnar Nelson. Then Damian Maya, then Tyrone Woodley, and we'll see though how it does against the guy Kamara Usman because Usman is a natural welterweight. He's even you could even argue that if he wanted to, he could go to middleweight. He's a huge man at six feet tall. He cuts to 170 pounds, and in all his fights, whether it's Woodley, whether it's Masvidal, Colby Covington. He just brings a lot of pressure, and you literally have to 
fight off of it. And so far, nobody's really figured him out. And when I say, you know, I know he's he's had one loss in his career. That was incredibly early. I mean, all the way back in his second fight. But I would say since he, all of a sudden, for him, ever since he really got picked up in his career, after maybe a sixth fight, it's like everything all of a sudden for him made sense. And you look at everybody who's tried going up against him, and he literally just either... It's constant wrestling pressure, constant, you know, you know, striking, not big power shots in terms of one one punch quitters, but it's just a barrage of just in your face, in your face, takedowns, ground and pound, uh, you know, strikes, everything here to the point where you feel overwhelmed, where you literally can't get them off of you. And that's the question I have for Gilbert, for if you're, if you're Burns, if you're Gilbert Burns, can you handle that? Yes, I know. Burns has shown that he can be good fighters. He's also been the one who's been the the guy who's arguably the more aggressive fighter, who's been the healthier fighter. He's always been the one who is constantly, you know, as I said, in control. What happens when he's not? And there will be a case in that fight where if you're Burns, all of a sudden, you have that, you know, the juggernaut that is Usman, just pressure, pressure, pressure. Try to break you, pressure. We'll see what happens here in this fight. And the, and as I said, when we mentioned pressure, this is a big fight here because they're carrying this card. I mean, the main card you have, it's uh, Ian Heinish versus Kevin Gastelum. It's a nice fight. We're, we wish, uh, you know, Heinish very well in this fight. You have... Macy Barber, Alexa Grasso, you got Bobby Green, Jim Miller, Juan Marquez, uh, Maki Patola with the main card. None of those people scream, though, main event. They don't scream, you know, title contenders. Maybe Barber, but she's still young, incredibly young. And Grasso, same thing. So when you look and you go, this is the fight if you're Kamar Uzma where you're trying to go, I am at that level. What I mean, the level, I mean, he's now where John Jones, Israel Adesanya is, you know, a guy who can sell pay-per-views, a guy who can be the face of a pay-per-view and not have to worry about, you know, strong undercard. And let's face it, this fight got hurt with, you had two fantastic undercard fights. You had Chris Weidman versus Uriah Hall. Weidman tested positive for COVID. They pulled that. And then they pulled, once again, Pedro Munoz versus uh, Jay Jaime. Jimmy Rivera, that would have been a fantastic fight. I don't know where that's going to be landing. But all these fights are getting pulled here. And as I said, this is a fight where if your Usman pressures on you, can you sell? Can you draw? Or are you just, you know, a good UFC, a great UFC champion, but a guy who doesn't draw that well? We'll find out, you know, as we come after fight night. But I'm telling you right now, one of the best fights UFC can make, and this is one of them, it's Usman versus Gilbert Burns. It's going to be Saturday, February 13th, only on pay-per-view. Check our time local listings for details, but we got to wrap this up because I'm almost out of time. So for my wonderful guests, uh, Yair Zeno, Rusenstrike, and for Coffee Anderson, this is Chris Connor saying I'm out of here. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy Valentine's Day. Enjoy UFC 258. We'll be back next week with more action, more guests, only on it's last call. Last call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network.